Hi, welcome to Verena Financing's podcast. Today we have uh, Jackie Moselle of Moselle Clothing. How are you doing today, Jackie? I am doing well, thank you. Um, I'm so happy you came to join us. Just tell us a little bit about Moselle Clothing and why you started your company. Sure, great, thank you. Um, Moselle Clothing is a children's clothing line. It's designed by me in Austin, Texas. And then I work with a small batch manufacturer and artisans in Peru to do the actual production of the clothes. And um, the inception of the project uh, was really to provide employment opportunities and work for um, amazing crafted artists, craft artisans in Peru. So it's um, really was I guess the inception was more of an economic development project mm-hmm. um, that has bridged into sort of a, a, a small uh, small batch fashion line. Okay. And I understand Moselle is a family name. Can you share with our listeners the significance of it? I love the name of your company, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so that is my, um, it's my grandmother's maiden name, and it's my great-grandmother's last name. And they were both um, in in the world of clothing. So my great-grandmother um, actually made a lot of the clothes that my grandmother wore, um, particularly like during the Depression era, and um, was a, a, a very um, sort of well she was she was very talented crafter in the home base and then my grandmother went on to actually study fashion design um and she was um really interested in fashion so my aim in naming the company Moselle was to really carry that uh generational thread through the company of uh love for high quality crafted clothing and also a love of fashion um and sort of honor those amazing women in my life as well. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm so happy you touched on that because, you know, anyone who's listening should really check out Moselle's clothing line on the website. Um and I really love the fact that your fashion for children are so well-crafted and it's timeless. And in a world of fast, cheap fashion, you know, I really commend mm-hmm. you for going the ethical route and creating mm-hmm. socially responsible children's clothing. And um, just wanted to know, how do you go about um, sharing people the, the reason for buying socially responsibly made clothing and letting them know about um, the importance of it? I know that a lot of us were aware of um, organic food and knowing where the food is coming from and understanding the supply chain, but I don't think as many people really know the significance of their buying power when it comes mm-hmm. to buying clothes and that, you know, you should kind of think twice about why that shirt is for $10 and, you know, mm-hmm. not to really shame anyone for doing that. I mean, I do that, but, you know, sure. to really think consciously of, you know, your purchases. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, thank you for the question because I think clothing production is still somewhat of a mystery to most people. Um, But, like, for instance, with the the, uh, company that I started in this – I still call it a project because it's evolving – I am working with um, a husband and wife team who actually sew – or they they do the – 
initial knitwear of um, the sweaters. So they're doing all of that initial sew, initial sewing. And then everything goes to a group of women in a collective in Lima, Peru, um, to do hand-sewn details. And um, it takes a lot of work to get that product um, to the place where you would then sell it. And I, although, I mean, that's partic- maybe particularly unique because I'm using hand-sewn details for it, um, all clothing production actually should take probably that amount of time if you take right. in the fair labor practices and um, really expect people to work hours that are um, equitable and be paid for the work they're doing. And as as you mentioned, I think um, the food industry, we've seen sort of a kind of um, a learning curve with consumers in terms of understanding like, you know, that, that food does take time to grow or, you know, having raising it, livestock and then doing the butchering and everything like that, that there's a whole process. And um, I think there's a newer, a, a newer evolution happening in terms of learning about clothing in the same way. Um, but it's, it's really amazing. I mean, even for myself, I, I hear you about, you know, kind of purchasing fast fashion because I also, um, it, I, I have done that and I was, like a big fan and I'm not going to, I won't shame any brands on this <laughs> podcast, but I mean, all the big brands, you know, and, um, but as I started to produce clothes myself and work with producers and understand the manufacturing process, I really understood that it, it's, I mean, in order to get a product and made with the fair and equitable practices that it takes, that it's actually probably going to cost a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that, you know, cost doesn't necessarily have to equate to luxury, but maybe more equate to actual um, understanding of the of the craft and the work that happens behind it. So, I mean, for me, and I think for a lot of consumers now, it's really about buying consciously and um, the movement towards more conscious consumerism is mm-hmm. is really about buying maybe fewer items but that are made thoughtfully and that will potentially last um, for a long time as well. So hopefully that's the shift. I It's, you know, I think there's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a process. There's no easy, is, easy yeah. answer to it, but I think that um, consumers are definitely, I think, learning more about that. But yeah, once you see how clothes are made, it's really hard to like unsee that because yeah, you know yeah. how much work it takes for sure. Yeah, you know, about I'll say about six years ago, I tried to teach myself how to sew, and um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of items, but. I, I have a newfound respect for anyone that makes clothing because it mm-hmm. takes a lot of skill, it takes a lot of patience, and it's a process. And we've been so far removed from that that um, home, you know home seamstress or you know seeing mm-hmm. clothes being made. My mom used to sew, and I, I know mm-hmm. how long it used to take. But when I actually made it myself, I have a newfound respect for just the art of sewing and making clothing. Mm-hmm. And I just oh yeah for sure yeah. 
And I think also you're in a really fun space because you're doing children's clothing. And I love that mm-hmm. the colors and um, and your designs are timeless, but yet it's very fashionable and playful. Um, could you share with us how you go about getting inspiration um, for your clothing line? Yeah, definitely. So, I, I mean, I also am really happy to be in the children's space, <laughs> the yeah. um, fashion, just because it's. I think you can be really playful, and there is there really are a lot of color possibilities and things like that, and it's fun, right? And I have a um, I have a five year old, and when I started the project, she was uh, two and a half. Oh, so, wow. Um, yeah, so I think like the original ideas really came from me seeing clothing that um, she was wearing and also really feeling like I wanted to have conscious ethical choices mm-hmm. for her in terms of clothing her. So um, I really chose the children's clothing line because I had a little child. Right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, but I've stayed in it. Um, <clears throat> mostly because it's such an enjoyable place to, to design. And in terms of just like colors and inspiration, um, I use a lot of colors from Lima, from Peru, as part of the inspiration because there's just it's a, it's a really colorful country and mm-hmm. a lot of the art really is um, very colorful, the arts and crafts. And then, of course, uh, the the flora and fauna I mean the actual environment is beautiful so yeah just like all the greens and the blue ocean and and everything like that so um, I try to draw on uh, I guess what is a feel of Lima for me Mm -hmm. Um, and then also what um, what I think will be interesting to consumers because I uh, you know kids clothing can be a little bit more bright so I, I look to those pieces and frankly my own child asks for everything to be in pink so I try to at least have one pink product so I also have a little pressure coming internally on that side and, and it has really nice sweet details I like the, the details you have on your pieces mm-hmm. thank you yeah I mean you know a lot of that is the design feature to really highlight the artistry of the uh, makers. So mm-hmm. they specialize in a particular type of um, the hand-sewn detailing. They, they specialize in the detailing. And it's a collaborative process. I actually um, have been really fortunate to visit um, twice in the last two years. And I spend time with the women who do the hand detailing. And I ask them, you know, what – um, here are some design ideas I have. Like, what do you actually want to do? Like, what is enjoyable to you when you're making these clothes? And then I try to come up with a balance of what I want to design and what I think will be uh, good for the U.S. market with mm-hmm. what they actually like to do as their nine to five. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, yeah, so that's how we get those details is just that's, it's a lot of um, collaborative uh, approaches. That's awesome. And um, I see on your website also that you um, highlight these artisans uh, who are behind the brand. And um, we're just curious to know, how do you go about finding the artisans in Peru? Mm -hmm. What challenges have you had, you know, um, being that it's a foreign country and um, Mm -hmm. the language, it might be a language barrier. Um, How was that experience for you? 
For, yeah. So for me, it's been probably a little bit easier than some others um, in the sense that I started this company with a friend of mine, a very good friend. We've friends for 18 years, um, who's actually, yeah, actually from Peru. Um, So we started the company with the intent to help the artisans um, have more employment. And we already had some contacts for artisans because um, he was involved with some of that work in Peru already. So we had that connection. I also speak Spanish, so um, I'm able to communicate and freely talk. Um, But I do, uh, in terms of just like creating artisan partnerships, which is, I think, a really big piece of a lot of ethical fashion brands, um, it's still like, if you can, if it's a possibility, it's really essential to visit in person and meet with your partners and see how things are made, understand what um, they need in terms of work and what their um what their skill sets are how how to really make that a beneficial relationship for both parties and um so i have actually although i have two two groups that i work with specifically i've also visited other groups when i when i go to peru just to um really make sure that i'm working with the people that i think will be a great match for the brand and also that i can help support Right. Um, but to, to see if there's other people that, you know, I could work with and to help them grow their businesses. So I think being able to go to the country is, is really great. I know that that's not possible for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely think having established relationships is, uh, is such a fundamental part of creating a really successful relationship. So, um, yeah, but the other thing I would say is just, I, I mean, I talk to my partners there probably at least once a week, and there's so okay. much technology now that you can, like, actually um, do so much more. So WhatsApp and um, all of, yeah. like, the the uh, interface. I mean, I can actually see pro- – I'll do WhatsApp video with <clears throat> with one of my partners and see how things are looking and understand what they – you know – what they're what decisions they're making at design steps and things like that so it it isn't as difficult as it used to be um mm-hmm. but of course it's it's always great to have those partnerships and right. i definitely don't know how people do it when they don't speak the language because i it's um that part for me feels i just feel like being able to speak spanish makes a big difference for me so, yeah. yeah yeah and i'm sure there's like that's one less barrier to cross when you know the language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I find was interesting, and I thought it was really nice when I was looking at your pieces, each of your pieces had a name, like the Genevieve mm-hmm. and the Franklin. Uh, can you share uh, to our listeners about the reason for the name? Yeah, definitely. So all of the names um, have a personal I have a personal relationship to the names, and that was my first line, so I really wanted to um, kind of honor everybody who had such a key role in in helping me launch the collection. So um, there's one named after my brother, who actually passed away when I was really young, but sort of has 
continually incentivized me in spirit to take on challenges. And there's another named after my business partner um, who I started this project with, the Franklin. Um, Genevieve is actually my daughter. So Hello. she was my initial design inspiration because she was the kiddo in my life. And then um, Ide and Margarita are both um, my the quality assurance person. Ide does all of the quality assurance on um, site in Lima, which is essential. And Margarita is the woman that runs the women's collective where the women meet to do the hand detailing. So of the initial collection, I just named the sweaters after these – sort of fundamental foundational people who helped me get to this place. So wow. I don't know what's going to happen with the next collection, but <laughs> that was the first collection. Well, I, I just think that's very touching that every name had a story and it's very thoughtful mm-hmm. and it's such a great way to honor those people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just saw the website. And I was like, Oh, it's such nice names. I didn't really think there was a story behind it, but it's, it's even I'm more appreciative to know that there is a story behind it. And thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of their forthcoming line this fall, or um, when is it coming? I'm not, I'm not sure if it's this fall, but um, mm-hmm. would you like to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So we are looking to um, – I should be actually getting a shipment very soon within the next few weeks. And um, of, of many of those items I will launch for a fall release because they're sweaters. And um, so I'm, I'm going to be um, – I'll be reintroducing or re-releasing a few of the items that had uh, that were really popular and that a lot of people asked for and were kind mm-hmm. of on back order because because I did sell out pretty quickly. So I'm, I'll re-release some of those. I did add some additional sizing because I had a request from con- customers to go up to size seven. So okay. um, so I'll have that as an option. And then I'm sampling a number of items that I'm hoping to produce also for winter, uh, fall, winter, um, that would include dresses and oh, nice. skirts. As Yeah, that, that was a personal request for my child. Um, <laughs> so are they pink? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, so that's like, so they have to have some pink in them. And then, um, and then I'm also doing uh, just some kind of very various products that I think will be um, nice gift items or 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 complements to the sweaters. So I'm hoping to do um, release in time for winter um, scarves and um, hats. And then I also am doing like a, a very small collection of hand crocheted um, stuffed animals. So yes, <laughs> so yeah, it should be pretty fun. So we've got a whole little. Um, collection coming out, and um, I'm e- sort of eagerly awaiting for everything to show up because yeah, it's it's a it's a lo- it's a very slow process, so I just have to be really patient. There was a boutique. Um, I used to live in Connecticut, and there was a boutique I went to to buy my daughter's first toy, and I'll never forget. It was like a hand crocheted uh, strawberry, and I kept oh, it. Cute. I still have it, but it was just so sweet. It was such a sweet mm-hmm. little toy, and and I think it had like a it was like a little rattle, but it was just so sweet. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's like one of those items that you're you're clearing out your closet and you come across this little crochet toy, 
and it brings back so many mm-hmm. memories. So I, I definitely look at your clothing, and I'm, I'm looking forward to your other items. And I definitely see it being those items that you kind of hold back, <laughs> you know, to pass on to future generations. Sure. But I, I know that um you have another project that you're working on for your company that in case people want to give away those clothes that the children mm-hmm. have outgrown. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, definitely. So one thing we're hoping to launch or planning to launch this um, with the fall and winter release is a, a um, it's a return back program. So essentially what that looks like is that um, we are so excited for our customers to buy the sweaters or goods and have their kiddos wear them and love them. Um, but once they've either outgrown them or the season ends and there's no more use for that particular item, um, we are going to launch a program that would give free shipping to the individual customers to send back that sweater or good, um, the goods that they buy to me. And then I'm um, working with my partners in Lima to provide those products back to kids who um, are in need of clothing in Peru. So we're trying to really create like a full cycle there. So um, yeah, we, we understand that kids grow really quickly and sometimes something lasts, you know, six months. Sometimes it lasts a year. It kind of depends on the kid. Um, But we want to make sure that that product has um, another, a second life if it, if it has, um, you know, if it's, if it's still in, in condition to, to, to go that way. So I'm really excited about that. And um, my, Partners in Peru are really excited about it too because there's just a lot of um, there's there's a, a lot of need there and it's just one small way that we can kind of get a little bit more life out of that product and also help to support other kids. That's awesome, and it really shows the cycle. You know, um, mm-hmm. produce clothing, um, um, conscious consumerism. And then also giving back at the end. I, I just think that's a perfect story to your your clothing line. Uh, oh, thank you. That, another thing that I found to be fascinating, um, we had a, a short talk before um, we came on live, and I'm very fascinated with the fact that you started this clothing line um, in addition to a, a, a career of 20-plus years in social mm-hmm. services. Um and mm-hmm. I was so inspired by that because in a day and age where, you know, um, everyone's talking about the 22-year-old self-made millionaire, um, yeah. I'm <laughs> excited to hear about people starting a new chapter um, at a time when people don't really talk about it as much. Um, mm-hmm. Can you share with us about that, um, your apprenticeship and the fact that you decided to take on this new project um, years later? after you started a new career? Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, I've already been working in a whole nother industry for 20 years and I actually still work. I um, have a traditional nine to five work schedule and then I'm doing this um, business on the side. And um, yeah, so I was, I mean, I'm like really bad at math. So <laughs> am I? And how old was I when I started it? But um, essentially, yeah, I was, I, I mean, I started this around 40. And um, I, 
I really so yeah, and that was a big decision factor for me actually because I think um, that you know had some doubts, and as I think many people do about you know can I really like start a whole another thing, and I'm in my forties, and yeah. what does that look like? Um, but I you know. I taught, was talking to my cousin the year that I actually launched, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm 40. Can I really do this? And she's like, well, you're going to be 40 whether you do it or not. So <laughs> um, that was actually that advice Advice just really – and it wasn't really even advice. It was just a statement, but it, it kind of triggered um, a, a real – I mean, it just it just – triggered action I guess in that sense and I thought well she's right I mean I'm not getting like there's no reason not to and I'm not getting younger so why not and yeah see and you mentioned the apprenticeship and 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 that experience so I did do um I did a full apprenticeship and I just did this in my free time I made that work with my own schedule with my work schedule um with another really fabulous ethical fashion business called purse and clutch um and it was a a a fairly big commitment of my personal time Mm -hmm. to go through that apprenticeship and of course I'm like already 40 years old and I think you know mostly apprenticeships are for like 20 year olds um but I just like left my ego at the door yeah like this is you know yes I have a lot of industry experience in policy and social services in the world that I'm in um professionally during the day, but this is a new arena for me and I don't need to know everything. You know, I don't know everything and I don't need to pretend that I do. So I, Mm -hmm. I've done a couple of things like that. I did the apprenticeship. I did an accelerator program. Um, I went to volunteer with another great company called Global Mamas um, at their trade show. And I just thought, you know, I'm not, I guess, you know, I, I don't have anything to lose. So right, there's no right. reason for me to um, to to not do these things. And it's really only going to help me be um, a, a better business person and learn and grow from, from others' experiences. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, for others out there, and, and, you know, it's so great that you have this podcast for entrepreneurs, but I I think, like, the idea that entrepreneurship is only for the young set is not true. And no, I you're really right. do feel, yeah, I feel like at any point in your life, um, if you want to try something, you should. And and honestly, a lot of the years of experience that I have um, in in my work and in, in my just in my living in the world has really helped me uh, to be the kind of entrepreneur that I am. I mean, I take mm-hmm. pretty, I think I take pretty measured risks. I um, am very thorough with a lot of my decision making. Right. And I, um, you know, I've, I've had lots of other experiences that help to contribute to the way I approach the business. So, yeah, I think it's it's never too late, I guess, yeah. to start something new. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that is so inspiring. Um, that I love that you said I checked my ego at the door because you mm-hmm. know I, I think you could go so much further if you learn from other people's experiences and even past failures. So if they made that mistake, you don't necessarily have to make it too. You'll have your own mistakes, of course, but that'll mm-hmm. be one less mistake you have to make. 
Um, and just the apprenticeship, that's awesome. I, I commend you for that. Um, Thank so you. So we're going into our rapid-fire questions. Uh, okay. And, and the first question I have is, what is your favorite Peruvian drink or dish? Okay. Well, I will – I like fish, but I'm going to go with the Pisco Sour. If you haven't had it, any of you listeners out there, you should really have it. It's a made with Peruvian brandy and um, egg white, and it's just – like an amazing drink. So like those of you, and also I don't know when this airs, but I'm in Austin, Texas, and South by Southwest is happening here, and they're doing Pisco sour tastings. So oh, wow. those of you out there who are here, you should go do it. <laughs> so is it like a whiskey sour, like a creamy type of whiskey sour? Well, it's kind of, it's a little bit lighter than a, a whiskey sour, but yeah, it's like kind of a similar feel in terms okay. of that little bit of a tart but foamy type okay. feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was very fascinating. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, next question is, how has entrepreneurship changed your life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I think it's made me a lot more aware of every decision that I make. So um, it's it, it's exhilarating, but also exhausting and scary and um, lots of other adjectives uh, to start your own thing. And it's also kind of lonely. So, you know, when you first start something, (laughs) you're kind of like, am I doing this or am I just like making this up? (laughs) And so it's really, um, I think it's made me be really aware of my decisions and it's really pushed me to be really thoughtful in my decision making in every part of my life. also, I mean, I think that it's uh, it's really shown me so much of what, like, how important it is to have action items and steps because, yeah. I don't know, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, business owner, like, sometimes the amount you think about your business, you think that that translates to working on it, and it's like, right. no, actually, you're just thinking about it, but you have to <laughs> do stuff to yeah. make it work, so... Um, yeah, so I try to not just think about my business. I try to actually do action steps, at least little action steps every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. What book would you recommend for entrepreneurs to read? Okay, well, I, um, I actually, I have two, uh, two suggestions. One is just a conceptual book on, um, presentation and thinking about work and thinking about how you tell audiences what you're doing. And that is a, a book about presentation. It's called The uh, Secrets, the Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. And it's just, it just sort of distills um, his sort his presentation style of taking these really new and challenging items and making them, um, distilling them into a way that audiences can, can, can grab onto and make them interesting for audiences, which I do think translates to every business. Um, and then another book that's a kind of a rare, I think not something everyone would know about, but it's called End Malaria. And mm. it's, a, um, it's a book of short excerpts from different um, thinkers and change makers wow. um, in the world. And they all sort of um, share different insights on, I mean, it's, I think it's a good book for social entrepreneurs. Um, they share a lot of insights on different kind of um, thought processes or 
approaches to business, especially for social good. Okay. And the book itself funded um, a project to buy nets, mosquito nets, to help end malaria. So it's also oh, oh. has a real social, good social cause in, in the book itself. So, yeah. Okay. Next question. What was your proudest moment as an entrepreneur? So my proudest moment to date, because I'm not sure if I had, like, the, the <laughs> final one. Um, right. So I, I think just getting the first product, the first truly produced um, shipment of goods uh, for this project. So the first time I got all of the sweaters and, you know, was, I laid them out on my bed and looked at each one of them, made sure, like, everything came the wow. way that I wanted it to. and um, and it was a pretty powerful moment because, you know, it took it took a long time to get there. I mean, it was it was the design, it was iteration, it was working with the partners, it was going to meet them in person and talking through what was going to work on their side and what was going to work on my side. And um so just getting all of those thoughts and and concepts into an actual product was pretty amazing. So I I just think that, you know, it, it was a, the cherry on top was that they sold, but I think like yeah. just even getting the idea to conception was probably, from conception to reality was um, a really great achievement for me. So, yeah, I'll count that for now, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, to see your finished product, there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs? Well, start now, whether you're 40 or 20 or 60 or whatever. Um, yeah. That there, yeah, I mean, it's like all of those cliches, like there's no time, like the present. Um, really, I do feel like just take the first step, you know, take the first step to do the thing that you're thinking about. And um, I kind of remind myself every day I have a, a, a framed picture in my office that says, you know, starting somewhere now is better than starting somewhere later. And I really believe that, and I do actually try to live that, which is to just just start. You know, it's it it's scary and weird, mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't know how to do any of it, and you're not sure what you're doing. But it's, it's okay to stumble around, but you right. should definitely start, you know. No time like the present. Mm -hmm. No time like the present. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jackie. Um, it was great talking to you about your company, and I am looking forward to great things from Moselle Clothing. How can our listeners learn more about Moselle, and um, where can they purchase an item? Yeah, for sure. So our website, we have online sales. Um, it's uh, MoselleClothing.com, and Moselle is spelled M-O-E-S-E-L. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Moselle Clothing, and Facebook. And um, maybe if you're lucky in one of your cities out there, I'll pop up because we're trying to do um, a lot of different pop-ups events in the next year. So, well, nice. uh, yeah, so keep your eye out. If you, definitely if you're following on Instagram or um, go online and sign up for the newsletter, then I will keep you posted on in-person pop-ups too. Would you be doing any trunk shows? Yeah, so we um, we typically, last year we did quite a few 
of uh, those types of events where you're a part of a, a fair or a market. And I'm hoping to do those two. I'm also definitely open to individual trunk shows, like hosted by individuals if they're interested. And um, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to hopefully be around in the world here in the next year. So Great. That's awesome. Well, thank you again for stopping by and have a good night. And well, right now it's nighttime, but um, mm-hmm. enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, thanks for stopping by again. Uh, thanks for listening to Verena Financing, and um, talk to you soon. Bye.